millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another episode of Book Cheat. My name is Dave Warnicky. How are we feeling out there? Yeah. Hell yeah, the book club podcast, I should say, where I've read the book so you don't have to. Thank you so much for coming out. I'm feeling great. So stoked to be here in the land of Pret and Pies. Fan- absolutely love it. Yes, I've had four pies here in three days and I will not stop. So thank you so much for coming out. Uh, just to meet you as a crowd, give me a round of applause if you've ever heard the show before. Thank you so much. Someone has already thrown a Greg's bucket hat onto the stage. (laughs) And I am not ashamed to wear this. (laughs) Thank you. My guests are so confused right now. Uh, Fantastic. If you could just throw the Greg's Crocs one by one, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. uh, I asked you, a lot of you have heard the show. Thank you so much. Uh, Don't be shy now. I always ask this. Give me a round of applause if you've never heard Book Cheat before. (laughs) <laughs> okay, quite a few of you are proud of that. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you about this. It's the Book Club podcast where I've read the books so you don't have to. Each week of this show, we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, I've got two very special guests. Could you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage. It's Sarah Bonetto and Finn Taylor. Fantastic. Hello. And if you could please throw the uh, fast food headwear of, of choice to my guests. Hello. The what headwear? The, oh, I was going to say fast food. How would you describe Greg's? It's oh, not, yeah. It's not really fast food, is it? It's more of a, it's more like... Qu- haute cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, it, though. It's hungover food. Yes. You really, it's what you have the day after. I think I've been hungover my whole life. <laughs> It just, it speaks to me. Have it's you pre- tried a Pret Pie for, I don't think they do. Pret? I mean, not Pret. Pret ain't doing Have pies, Have you tried mate. a Greg's Pie? The day Pret do pies is when this country's in the fucking toilet. <laughs> I mean, it's I, know actually, it's ba- I know it's um, bad out there, but Pret are not doing pies yet. It's actually a collaboration waiting to happen. Pret times pie? Yeah, Pret times oh. pie. <laughs> I would love to be part of that collaboration. <laughs> I actually meant to say Greg's, but sure, let's go with Pret. Um, Greg's don't really do them, do they? They do steak bakes. They, they do, do bakes. bakes. They do bakes. I've had a cheese and onion bake yesterday. Full marks. Absolutely fantastic. This is a strange niche. It's book, <laughs> book fans who love hot Greg's. <laughs> no, I think what, it's, a, what a cross. I no, think, fair play. I love it. It's, <laughs> I think it's book fans who like watching me eat hot Greg's. Right. It's yeah. even more niche. Like an, is it like an ASMR thing? Yeah. yeah. They, they love hearing you... <laughs> Oh, my, my clicking jaw. They yeah. love it. They love it. 
Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It is essentially about books. We don't usually discuss Greg's for the full hour, but we'll, we'll uh, dabble into that a little bit, I'm sure. But um, are you big readers or have you been big readers in your lives? Because I've started this show basically a few years ago because I used to read a lot when I was a kid and then I stopped for many years. And this makes sure that I read something every couple of weeks. So. I'm that. That's what I am. I stopped and I've been told that I have like hardcore undiagnosed ADHD and I believe that's probably, yeah, there we go. Woman over 40. Very, very popular nowadays. In the, in the arts. Yeah. But it, I, I lack the focus now and I, I loved reading. I actually have an English literature degree uh, but then I've just lost my way a bit with books but I'm coming back, I'm coming back. Like my bedside table is full of unread tomes. <laughs> And you'll know this, Finn, like a lot of stand-ups over here in particular like have gone on to pen a tome. They've written books. Not me, can't focus. Um, <laughs> what makes a tome a tome? A to- uh, <laughs> here comes that literature degree. Well, and just <laughs> Finally paying yeah. off for someone. Well, actually, it's a page number thing, Finn. Oh, is it? Uh, if you begin the second paragraph with the letter F, then is a tome. Don't research that, just know that I'm right. Anyway, oh, cool. moving on. <laughs> How about you, Finn? You you a reader? Yeah, yeah. I like I like reading. Um, I had a child about a year ago, so it has it has dropped off. A um, child? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got rid of the child early doors just to focus on the books. Really, yeah. I just um, was really getting in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, All well, or the crying. child? Who's yeah. it going to be? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I no. I, I I like I like reading. I like reading. Well, I like reading too. And <laughs> would you believe it? I've been reading something lately. And I'd like to tell you about it now. And I've gone with an English classic for this, uh, for this English audience. Which is fantastic. Uh, and that is <laughs> the book I've, I've chosen with. And uh, give me a cheer if you, you're a fan of this one. A Room with a View. Any booze out there? Anyone study this one in school? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, we're going to relive that pain tonight. So here we go. Uh, This book, so people suggest I cover these books, and this one's been suggested by two people, Jacqueline Argate from Gosford in New South Wales, Australia. Jacqueline, are you in tonight? (laughs) No? All right. And a little bit closer, but still, Juliana from somewhere in Germany. Shut up, Juliana. Is that her? Juliana, is that really you? Are you serious? No. (laughs) Damn it. Punked. Absolutely You just punked. got punked. punked. Are you sure that, like, um, Juliana isn't just E.M. Forster oh. requesting his own book? Oh, <laughs> hello, I'm Juliana from <laughs> Germany. This is the, e. best, the best German accent I've heard in a long time. Uh, but you've, you've gone with the... the that's the absolutely the correct author. A Room of the View is a 1908 novel written by English author E.M. Forster. Any guesses what the E.M. stands for? Electromagnetic. <laughs> Man, that would be good. Uh, uh, it'd be 1908, so something like er- Ernst, Ernest. Yeah, I fucking bet it is, too. Ernst. It's definitely in, in the camp. Nice. <laughs> Brexit means stuff. Brexit. I love it. <laughs> when a Pret doing pies, let's take this country down. Love this crowd, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was Englishman. Uh, it is Edward Morgan. Edward Morgan Forster. He was born on New Year's Day, 1879, in London, where we are right now. What are the chances? Huh. What are the chances? Uh, his father was an architect who died when Forster was a baby, but left the family with enough money to be comfortable for the rest of their lives. Oh. 
Comfortable, the definition of comfortable has changed. That's true. Because yeah. they tacked on for the rest of their lives to yeah. that, didn't they? Back then, that was just not working in a factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was managing the factory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, according to the British Library, having no urgent need to make a living, on graduation from Cambridge, Forster travelled with his mother around Italy, gathering inspiration for A Room with a View which is described as both a romance and humorous, let's find out, a critique of English society at the beginning of the 20th century. Hmm. And it was, it's his third novel, and he would go on to write other classics, Howard's End and A Passage to India, all of which he'd written by the age of 35. Ugh. So I have uh, three After years After travelling extensively classics. and studying at Cambridge, <laughs> living comfortably. Yeah. For the rest of his life. And it was a comfortable life. He lived to the age of 91. Because he's rich. (laughs) He's still alive now. (laughs) And here he is. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I'm but a poor man. (laughs) Juliana, is that you? (laughs) Uh, And he could have been Sir E.M., but knocked back a knighthood, but he did accept a companion of honour, meaning he was, instead he was called E.M. Forster O.M.C.H., which is too many initials. Mm. What does that stand for? Order of Her Majesty's... Companion of Honour. Companion of Honour. Companion of Honour. Yeah. That sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You're the the Queen's companion. (laughs) Wear gloves. Yeah. Uh, the Modern Library ranked A Room with a View 79th on its list of the 100 best uh, English language novels of the 20th century. So top 79. Not bad. Do you think he says that at dinner parties? Yeah. yeah. The ghost of E.M. Forster yeah, yeah. says that what's at dinner the, parties. What's the equivalent on IMDb? So I've got a bit more context. What's the 79th best film? Terminator, Terminator 2. Okay, cool. Fine. Yeah, not one, two. Yeah, two. So what a great Always. movie. Do, 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 do. Yeah, Whoa. let's talk about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck Forster, T2, T- <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I'd love to talk about Terminator 2. Yeah. Wow. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, I always start with the opening line, or the opening couple of lines to set the scene, to see, get a bit of a, a taste of EM. It starts with uh, a quote. The Signora had no business to do it, said Miss Bartlett. No business at all. She promised us... Prom- prom- <laughs> it's the first draft... <laughs> She promised us south rooms with the view close together, instead of which here are north rooms, looking onto a courtyard and a long way apart. Oh, Lucy. And then Lucy replies, and a cockney besides, said Lucy, who had been further saddened by the Signora's unexpected accent. It might be London. And we're off. Lucy's very hard to please. Heavy first sentence, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. The TripAdvisor review is a two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. better. So, saddened by the Senora's accent. Yeah, because it's run by an English woman and they wanted authentic Italy. Right, I see. Okay. And they didn't get a room with a view. Can't believe it. So, they wanted like ill Greg's for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've paid for the ocean view and they've given you a disgusting garden view. I mean... <laughs> We've all been there. In an Italian garden, Ugh, yeah. where things grow under actual sun. Ugh, <laughs> you wouldn't know about it, London. Don't worry about it. But in that opening bit, we've met our main character, Lucy Honeychurch. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. This is the problem with really old books, is the names are just stupid, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Honeychurch lives down the lane, and she keeps lots of birds, and this is her story. Do you know what I mean? I'm already like, oh, this is going to be... It's actually my maiden name. Sorry. <laughs> Sarah Bonetto Honeychurch is what I go by now. I'm actually not married, which is, means the joke is on me. <laughs> Well, this Honeychurch is a uh, young, naive Englishwoman on holiday in Florence, being chaperoned by her much older, uptight cousin, Charlotte Bartlett. That's another very clunky yeah. name. There's alliteration there, but it's not Honeychurch, Sh- Charlotte, is it? Charlotte Bartlett. Bartlett. She's, yeah, she sounds a bit yeah, uptight. Chaperoned. Sh- That's not really a thing anymore, a is it? No. Do you think... How old do you have to be to be chaperoned? Yeah. It's quite a philosophical question. Oh, if she... They're pitching her as older and uptight. I bet she's like 22. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Wizened. Yeah, she, she's Those <laughs> uptight 20-year-olds, man. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte Bartlett with her gnarled fingers yeah. and her wizened crevices. In her face, not... They're, they're totally... <laughs> Can it be wizened? I'm always... I'm always saying that about 22-year-olds that they're wizened, wizened crevices. God... Yeah. <laughs> So they're complaining about the room. They're sitting at a large uh, table in a public area of the Hotel Bertolini, complaining about the host being English and how they're told they have a room, a room with a view over the River Arno, but instead they're looking over a courtyard. Disgusting stuff. It's just the whole. It's the whole book. A sort of administrative conversation <laughs> about a couple who want to move rooms in a hotel. Yeah, it's I thought like... this was a fucking. This is a classic work of literature, and it's just yeah. faulty and towers. Like, I'll show you. The... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Pulling it out, being like, look, I can show you the PDF. It clearly says, a room with a view. Look at that. And then it's like, comment from the host, Bartoli Hotel. We do apologise. You booked through a third-party booking system. If you'd gone direct to the hotel, we would have been able to assign you the room you've booked. That is true, yeah. We can see from your booking, yeah. Yep. So the, the two ladies are complaining and their complaints only get louder. This is another quote. The ladies' voices grew animated and, if the sad truth be owned, a little peevish. Peevish. Ooh, scandalous. One of the ill-bred people whom one doesn't... <laughs> are you still reading from the book? I'm still reading from the book. I, I wasn't sure <laughs> that's if that's... A, that's what a tape warner kid. You see someone wearing a Greg's bucket hat, you think, well, they're just going to come out with ill-bred? Yeah. <laughs> One of the ill-bred people wearing, uh, using a knife and a fork. Yeah. <laughs> no, it says, one of the ill-bred people whom one does meet abroad. <laughs> God, you can't say that nowadays, can you? No, no. <laughs> I've tried so many times. Yeah. But when I say it over here, it turns out that it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Lent forward over the table and actually intruded into their argument. He said, I have a view, I have a view. Uh, the ill-bred man is a middle-aged guy named Mr. Emerson, and he introduces his son, an awkward young man named George. The dad says, we've got two rooms with a view, and Charlotte, the older chaperone, is like, yeah, so? But Emerson offers to swap rooms with the ladies. Yeah. Charlotte says, absolutely, out of the question, will not swap with this ill-bred man. Of course, because that's classic Charlotte Bartlett. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Charlotte, we all know. Yeah. But honey, church. But Emerson... <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's a... Emerson pushes back with the universal truth that I think we can all agree on. Quote, but why? Women like looking at a view. Men do not. Yeah. Give me a blank white wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can think about my regrets. That's what yeah. I want. 
and I can just play old Premier League clips in my head. That's what I want to do. Just stare at a wall, <laughs> watch Cantona lob that keeper. That's what I want to do. <laughs> he's been up all night vomiting from the great view that he's got. Men hate views. They hate views. But no way is Charlotte going to swap with this ill-bred man. Instead, she's going to do the only logical thing, and that is change hotels altogether. <laughs> oh, my Sorry, God, I, Charlotte. I know someone who genuinely hates views. It is really annoying. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's my friend Hayley, who, when we, if we're going walking or something, and there'll be, like, a gorgeous... She'll be like, oh. Like, it's weird, isn't it? What do you mean? She's just... We're like, don't you... Don't you isn't this amazing? And she's like, oh, <laughs> But like, if she Did walked onto this stage and saw that black curtain, she'd be like, "Finally!" She'd be like, "Oh my god!" She'd be getting a phone out, and like, "Look at this." <laughs> She's it's like, black. "I'm going to make this my hotel room. Yeah. I'm going to live up here." Did she like have a childhood trauma with a view? She attacked now that's by, a by, a, by a view. Yeah. Um, I didn't ask. <laughs> Interesting. Walking holidays. I don't tend to get into childhood trauma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I've been doing wrong. <laughs> we get off at the Lake District. First thing I say is like, you want to do that coming totally fucked up round the back of the mountain because if you get started on like the start of a fi- like a five-hour walk, yeah. fucking they're never going to stop, are they? That's your whole day. <laughs> Five hours. Who hurt you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to get on a tube? Where are you getting off? Three stops right. Who hurt you? Bang, bang, bang. See ya. Done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Gotta yeah, go. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Charlotte's like, I'm not going to swap. That is until walks in Mr. Beeb. Bieber? Mr. B- no. <laughs> it's, it's Mr. B-E-E-B-E. When I was writing, writing this summary out, it, it first autocorrected to Mr. Bean and then to Mr. Bebe. Bebe. Senor Bebe. Either of those are fun to imagine for this character. He's a priest. Priest Bebe. <laughs> who, who used to work at the church in Lucy's town. He's about to come back to that job too. So they remember him more than he remembers them. We all know why he used to work at the church, don't we? <laughs> Senor Bebe. <laughs> <laughs> and he also just happens to be on holiday staying at the hotel. And Lucy is so happy to see him, she insists they must stay at the hotel no matter how bad the room's view is. Bad. Yeah, a garden. So do they know each other already? Yeah, so he used to work at the town. She remembers him as like, oh, that's our priest. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I remember you. Lucy Honeysuckle. What's her name? Honeysuckle. Yeah. What's her name? Lu- Honey, Honey Church. Church. Honey Church. Who's on holiday yep. in Florence. Yep. But she knows the local priest. No, he's She's... staying at the hotel as well. Right. So, so they're all on uh, vacation from England together. But so they've all come yeah. from some English town. So and priest ended up Bebe at the same is hotel. English. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Bebe, that famous... He's supposed to be Beeb, not Bebe. Sorry. <laughs> but also Beeb is what we call, like, a nickname for the BBC. The Beeb. <gasps> Maybe he's there to commission something. <laughs> <laughs> and Honeysuckle, so now it's Honeysuckle. So yeah. You've done that. I'm fine with She's it. like, quick, act, act, I don't know, act like you're going to... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> write a book if you're, wondering why, a book. if you're wondering why we haven't got a sitcom away it's uh, <laughs> just not much it's mostly improv yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Beeb also knows Mr. Emerson the ill-bred man I've actually written here the disgustingly lower class man <laughs> 
um, who offered to swap rooms, and Mr. Beebe steps in and organises the swap. He advises Charlotte Bartlett that there's no harm can be done from the trade. It won't feel like they owe Mr. Emerson any obligation, which is what she was worried about, owing this guy something. Oh, she means sex. Yeah, but, but Bebe's <laughs> like, don't worry about it. It's cool. I'll sort it out. So they have swapped so swap views. They've got their rooms with their views. Sorry, who, who's... I'm already so lost. Who's, <laughs> whose room had the view? Uh, the, Mr. The Emerson, the ill-bred man and The ill-bred son. man. And he didn't want it because he just wanted to stare at a wall. Yeah. But the girls, they want the view. They wanted a view. And he heard them complaining and was like, and the pre- my view. And Senor Beeb is the kind of middleman. Yeah, he, he's, wor- he's worked out the trade, he's taking do- a little commission off the yeah. top. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, I'm with you. I'm suspicious as to why he's in this village. Yeah. The same place, like, you know, he's ended up at the same place as the ladies. I'd be wary. Just, is he a spy? Is this a spy? A spy I novel? I wish it was anything other than convenient storytelling. Dun, 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 dun. He's a priest. 006. I don't know. <laughs> so they've got their rooms with views. Everyone's, everyone's happy. And also, but they walk into the room, the, the girls, the women, and also stuck on the wall of the young man, George's room, is a large question mark drawn on a piece of paper. And at this point, I'm reading the book being like, is this the Riddler origin story? <laughs> what is going on? It's never really addressed again. What? 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 And then when I looked it up, like on Gradesaver, one of those websites that explains like what you should write essays about, it, it says, it's like, it's to show that he's an unsure man. Hang on, so it's not... It's not escape room with a view. That's not what we're... It's not a series of clues. It sounds it, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a giant question mark on the wall. Yeah. But we're meant to just go, all right. A safe, but without a key. Yeah. A single white glove. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to just go, okay, intriguing. But E.M. Forster's like, I, need, I can't just use the adjective unsure. That's too crass. <laughs> yeah. I'm a man of letters. I'm going to say that the room he's staying in has a massive question mark on the wall <laughs> yeah. to imply that his character is he's indecisive. Is that and what he's done? Then you, get it. you get it. get it. You get it. And you he'll never address it again. Yeah. Are you sure there's not just like four pages missing from this book? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I did read it in January, so I may have forgotten that bit. But I'm pretty sure they don't mention it again. It's a question mark. That's brilliant. <laughs> Although, I tell you what, I am intrigued as to what happens next. You're in. You're in. I'm in. You've hooked me. So the next day hooked you with a question mark. Yeah, you've just, I got in like that. <laughs> the next day, Lucy... She hits the town, not with her older cousin Charlotte, the chaperone, but under the guidance of another hotel guest, a writer named Miss Lavish. Now that's a, that's a name. Now that's, a, that's, a, that's a Bond girl's name, Miss <laughs> yeah. Lavish. Miss Lavish. So Honey Church and Lavish are out in the town. <laughs> yeah, they are. They've hit the town. 100% they are doing like a pole dancing class. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Lavish. 100 British pounds, Dave Warnicki, if the next sentence you read has them pole dancing. Can I just say pretty shit chaperoning? <laughs> yeah. One day, nah, you go on your own, I don't care. Yeah. Go, go Miss Lavish. I'm sure she's, sure she's straight <laughs> she's as an arrow. Miss Lavish. <laughs> uh, next sentence. They hit the pole dancing club. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Fair's fair. <laughs> I owe you money. L- Lavish is a bit of a free spirit and sees, uh, she sees another friend in, the, in, the, in Florence and gets distracted from the girl she's meant to be looking over. So it is shit out, chaperoning, absolutely. 
And Lucy wanders on. She's like, oh, I guess I'm going to keep looking at stuff on my own. And she runs into Mr. Emerson and his son, George. Ooh, in a church. Ooh. On the wall of the Honey church is a massive exclamation mark. <laughs> 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 what could that T stand for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, first she has a chat with George, who says that he's like, sorry about my dad, he's brash, he offends everyone we go by saying whatever gets into his mind. And then she speaks with the father who says whatever comes into his mind. (laughs) He says, away from George, that he's worried about his son um, and the way he sees things in the universe because things don't fit for him. He asks Lucy, can you help him think like us to see joy in the world? And she's like, what the hell is this guy talking about? So which which one, Emerson or his creepy son, which one has the question mark on the, the, the creepy son had the question mark. Oh, yeah. George That's, had the question mark. Okay. And now her dad's like, yeah, my, dad, my, my son just can't see the world like we do. Will you help him? And she's like, what, what's going on? Which is a bit of pressure, and Lucy doesn't really see what he's talking about. Then her cousin Charlotte enters, and Lucy leaves. So the conversation just wraps up quickly. Oh, Charlotte's here, everyone. Quick, The, sh- the chaperone. <laughs> the chaperone's turned up. Right, about time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I was zipping up there in that mine, by the way. Zip. It could have been the fly, could have been the... Wasn't her wizened crevice. <laughs> was her wizened crevice. Lucy decides to, uh, to go out alone. She's like, you know, I think I'm old enough to go and see the world. So she goes out into Florence alone, um, unaccompanied, sans chaperone, can you believe? So hang on, she, hang on. What so is she what, doing, So Charlotte's co- co- come back, yep. just... I'm, I'm the chaperone, and then actually, fuck it, gone. <laughs> yeah. No, then, they went back to the hotel for a bit, uh, probably uh, chilled, look at the view. Yeah. Oh. And then Lucy's gone, I'm going to go actually, out Actually, I'm going I'm to go and out. And the chaperone's like, oh, I can't be arsed. You go out. Right, <laughs> yeah, well, she's right. 20, you've got to understand. She's very old and tired. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's so... 1908, 20 was old, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. She's at home eat, eating directly out of a tub of lard. That's what my nana used to do. Is that an old person thing from the olden days, or is that just my nana? Well, they're all quite skinny, aren't they? Yeah. Old people. Yeah. I think the saddest thing I've, uh, the saddest I've ever felt was one night at the Adelaide Fringe Festival in Australia, the first night there. I uh, looked into the mirror and I realised that I was uh, naked eating a can of baked beans and I was using a chip as a spoon. <laughs> you had, like you had, you had to look in the mirror to realise that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, only absolutely. then did you get sad. I, I'm I was having eating a great it. time. I'm like, oh no. Honestly, yeah. The sink, because I was eating over the sink. Oh. So I didn't want to make a Saves okay. time, Dave. Uh, saves time, Dave. Saves time. Saves time. And the and tin then, saves washing. Just yeah. recycle that straight and away. And then I looked down and I've just got beans pouring down me. The tears washed away the beans. It was all good. It was all good. So, but she wanders around Florence alone, and she actually, she actually, she buys some photographs of Italy, and then she, she thinks, I'm really bored. Nothing ever <laughs> happens to me. Right. She sounds very whingy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not empathising with many of the characters yet. I went to Florence for the first time, and everywhere is picture perfect. It's so, it's like lacy little fucking doily of a town. Sorry, <laughs> that feels really diminishing of Florence. You are a city, you are very beautiful, but... 
I also um, just like how you describe it as a fucking doily. Fuck I don't think I've heard those two words together before. No, I think this might be a first. Mm. But the best thing I took a photograph of, and I don't know, does Bookcheat have an Instagram? Oh, we do. Okay, can I give this to you? For this episode, if you put pictures up, you are welcome to have this. The best thing I saw in Florence, outside of all the churches and the fountains and the piazzas and everything beautiful, was someone had taken a charcoal, bit of charcoal or something, like a crayon, and drawn on the side of a beautiful church uh, a very haphazard um, artist's rendition of Garfield, the cartoon cat. <laughs> very retro, very retro. And they had written, Mi piace lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best thing I saw in Florence. I fucking love it. I will give you that photo. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. So loved it. Didn't even put up a picture of Neptune's fountain. Nothing. I just put that. Just that. I think. Like... Mi piace lasagna. <laughs> ah, lunadies. Well, if she, <laughs> if wouldn't... she'd seen that, she would feel like something happens in love. But she's thinking nothing ever happens to me. But guess what? Something does happen. And the book even says then something did happen. <laughs> She walks into the uh, Piazza Signoria. Have you been there? I that, yeah. She, uh, she, she comes across two guys bickering about a, a debt in Italian. And this is a, a quote from the book. They sparred at each other, and one of them was hit lightly upon the chest. He frowned. He bent towards Lucy with a look of interest, as if he had an important message for her. He opened his lips to deliver it, and a stream of red came out between them and trickled down his unshaven chin. The man had been stabbed. This is a James Bond book. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a coming of age. This is a spy novel. Yeah. Sweet. Is or it bad that... that I thought when you said and the man turned around and opened his lips, I thought he was going to go, Hey, it's the man! <laughs> and she would have been happy because yeah. the thing she wanted was true Italy. Yeah. <laughs> But seeing the man stabbed, uh, Lucy passes out, and as she's falling over, she notices the young, awkward George Emerson out of the corner of her eye. Oh, not good. And then she's on the ground. She wakes in his arm on the steps in the Uffizi Arcade, him having carried her away from the scene of the crime. She's immediately very awkward and tries to take off alone, but he chases after her to be like, just sit down for a minute. You've just passed out. Sorry, but he runs after her. They, they talk about, they, they walk back together talking about the stabbing. Then suddenly, George throws Lucy's photographs that she bought uh, into the river. And she's like, What the hell are you doing? They're my photographs. And Classic negging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> George has got a game. Yeah, this is what you're meant to right. do, lads. It's what you're meant to do. Yeah. Get the souvenirs, chuck them in a river. Yeah. I'll make you some new memories. Come back to yeah. mine. That's, uh, That's what you meant to do. Nice segue, George. <laughs> Does it say what he was wearing? What he was wearing? Well, like, if he's a negger, perhaps he's also employing other techniques from the game and that there's, like, a technique called peacocking where you wear, like, a brash necktie or a funny hat. And then women all night at the bar are like, oh my God. Oh, Go shit. On. Shit, Finn. This Dave. is classic making here, right here. Dave, we won't sleep with you. We won't. Finn, your eyes are the second best I've seen today. Oh. Second. Hang on, are you trying to fuck me or her? I didn't understand. I'm playing my odds. Right. <laughs> Divide and conquer. Yeah. 
So, did someone just cough and say virgin? <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, Do- this book crowd has turned. Yeah. Now, what you, both of you might not uh, realise is that I'm a virgin. <laughs> right. I'm constantly defending myself on this podcast. Oh, I yeah. also really, I feel bad for your wife. Yes, I know. We all feel bad for her. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> what, the guy wearing a Greg's pocket hat with, a, <laughs> with his own Instagram page where he eats pies every day? He's a virgin? No. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't forget, he also ate beans in front of a mirror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're walking together. He's throwing the photographs in the water and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Eventually he says, oh, I threw them because they were covered in the stabbed man's blood. Oh. Which I think is a dangerous behaviour because he was at the scene of a murder. She saw him out the corner of his eye. Now he's destroying evidence. Mm. Uh, is he the murderer? I can't confirm. He might have stabbed that guy in the back. We don't know. Can I ask what page of the book we're on and also how many pages <laughs> are in the book? I'm intrigued as to what, what point in the plot this is. I think we, we, we'd put this about the halfway point. Oh, rattling sweet, along. Sweet, sweet, okay. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so there's really quite a lot of guff in the first <laughs> half. The TripAdvisor review, <laughs> that, that page. That, that hotel scene, is, that's oh. like 100 pages or something, yeah. is it? Sometimes I go, and that's the end of chapter one, and my guests go, chapter one! <laughs> 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 oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. No, it's, it's, it, it, it is... Uh, you know, we're moving through it. Uh, they return to the hotel and Lucy makes him promise that he won't tell anyone about the stabbing and her behaviour, a.k.a. fainting. He's, she says, don't tell anyone about that. Because it's 1908 and we don't really know which is worse back then, do we? Stabbing or fainting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them you go to jail for. And the other one, you kill a man. Well, back in those days, she might have had a lobotomy for hysteria. Yes. Like, oh, she fainted due to stress of seeing a stabbing. Probably crazy woman. <laughs> that's the worst thing that's happened in the Uffizi Square today. <laughs> the dead man's like, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> He's reanimated. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Nobody's giving me. Nobody's giving me a lobotomy. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Uh, later on, they're back at the hotel, and a few of them are still uh, bitching about the lower-class Emersons. Everyone's teamed up <laughs> yeah. against them because they do not fit in. And uh, Lucy over here is another clergyman, a guy called Mr. Eager. Eager? Eager. Eager and Bebe. Yeah. The clergyman. Mr. Ego. Mr. Rascal, Eager. Right? How are we spelling it? E-A-G-E-R. Oh, yeah, E-A. Eager Beaver, yeah. <laughs> Just making sure I'm saying it right. What, uh, what, how do they, what ranks in the clergy? Is that what they're called? Ranks? Division? Uh, I think Division? Cor- corporal? Flavor? Corporal. <laughs> Christ Corporal. And, Christ uh, Corporal. <laughs> Yeah, are they, just, are they an equal footing in the no, clergy? No, uh, Eager's uh, a bit, bit above. Well, it makes sense, yeah. 
<laughs> Early bird. Yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Eager, he, she overhears, Lucy overhears, everyone's bitching about the Emersons, and Mr. Eager claims that Mr. Emerson, George's father, wrote for a communist newspaper. Can you believe? And says that Mr. Emerson murdered his wife in the sight of God. I'd leave with that one. <laughs> if, if we're doing a character assassination, I'd probably go that one for... Also, he wrote for a communist newspaper, but mainly he murdered his wife. That's what I'd say. <laughs> the, the communist newspaper got a bigger reaction in yeah. the room. <laughs> Although he doesn't give any detail on how or why, how he murdered the wife. That's just, they're all just saying like the worst thing they know about him. And he's like, oh, I heard he also murdered his wife on the side of God. And they just leave that there? Like, yeah. oh yeah, cool, but more about this newspaper. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. What was the article called? Yeah. Did it have a classified section? <laughs> Lucy decides to avoid George Emerson as uh, she's having confused feelings about him, but also because everyone, including her cousin, is talking so much trash about the family. She's like, all right, I'll just, I don't want to be seen with these, this family. Are they in the lobby at this point? <laughs> Where in the hotel are, Do they have a view in this scene? <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah, lobby with a view. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the chaperone, they should be in the lobby. Is it after dark? Also, didn't chaperones used to carry around rulers so they could measure how close you got to the opposite sex? Really? Yeah. Wow. In our, like, our high school dance, I went to a Catholic school in Australia. Yeah. Um, and uh, they had rulers. The nuns would keep us apart. How, how like, 30 centimetres? Or... Yeah, 30 centimetres. That's how long rulers are in Australia, too. <laughs> I don't know. Different hey, country. We, we've also got the one metre ruler, and that's a really sad dance. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you do your best. You do You've your best. got the yardstick thing that you measure, you know, the thing that you measure groundsmen Yards. do. Get away through fear of it. <laughs> It's actually useful that it's on the little wheel because you can dance with it. Like, yeah, exactly. They just wheel it around. You follow the wheel. Trey Romantique. <laughs> so she's decided to avoid him for a bit and um, she's invited on a day trip with Cousin Charlotte and Mr. Eager, the clergyman. A day trip out of town. She's like, Perfect. A priest and the uptight yeah. cousin. But, but she's happy because she gets to go away from George and these feelings for a little while. Mm. But when she gets to the carriage, she realises that the priest, Mr. Bebe, is also going... And he's invited the Emersons, including her new crush, George. Oh, because oh, he's mysterious. Oh. I knew he'd reel her in with those photos in the, in the river. And now they have to spend the day in close proximity together. She's like, damn it. And old E.M. Forster OMCH is not mucking around with his chapter titles. This one is chapter six, and this is the title. The Reverend Arthur Beebe, the Reverend Cuthbert Eager, Mr. Emerson, Mr. George Emerson, Miss Eleanor Lavish, Miss Charlotte Bartlett, and Miss Lucy Honeychurch drive out in a carriage to see a view. <laughs> Colon, Italians drive them. That's good stuff. You want to know where you are in a book. <laughs> Sometimes you've, you've fallen asleep, you wake up, what's the, that's what's happening. Good. Yeah. I know where I am. And then chapter seven is simply, simply called, They Return. <laughs> That's good stuff. What happens in that chapter? Well, so that, that is what happens. But while they're on their way up there in two carriages, uh, one of the drivers rides up front with a girl. He claims is his sister. Uh, Forster compares him to uh, Phaethon, a figure in Greek mythology that borrowed his father's chariot and drove recklessly. But, so this driver is up front with uh, a girl he says is his sister, but they're flirting a lot. And Lucy is jealous as they're the only ones on the holiday who seem to be having fun. 
Eventually, they start making out. Whoa. I don't. I don't. What? I don't. I can't. It's perfectly Sorry. normal in Florence. <laughs> this book has been like PG, PG, <laughs> chaperones, God. On a train, they just start necking. With your sister. <laughs> With your yeah. sister. Yeah. With. I can't confirm. It could be. Could be the sister. These are these are Italians. Italians. These are ill-bred. Well, I guess that. Would be. <laughs> Ill-bred or Not my words, the words of E.M. Forster. (laughs) Keep up. Uh, Once at their destination, Lucy is bored with her uh, cousin Charlotte's constant gossiping... Amazing thing they've written there. With the writer Miss Lavish. She's like, this is so boring, they just gossip, gossip, gossip. And she goes to look for the priest, Mr. Bebe, but her, (laughs) her Italian is really bad, and when she asks the driver where he is... The driver takes her to a terrace covered in violets and yells in English as she leaves the carriage, courage, courage and love. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, that's a bit weird. And a man standing there turns around, but it's not Mr. Bebe at all, but young man George. Uh, Uh Uh-oh, they're all alone together. And there's violets, you know what that means. Mm. Hey, FIFA. There's a big heart emoji written on the wall, just in, just in case you didn't get the subtext yeah. of the scene. Oh, E.M. Forster. Yeah. This is a classic. Overcome by the beauty of Lucy and the flowers, George steps forward and quickly kisses her. But cousin Charlotte appears, calling for oh. Lucy. Finally, some good chaperoning. Does she have the yardstick? Yeah, smacking them yeah. She drags Lucy away, completely busted. And that night, the two cousins discuss the situation, but rather than wanting to hear Lucy tell the truth of what's happened and how she's feeling, all Charlotte is worried about is uh, silencing George, making sure he won't tell anyone so she still looks like a good chaperone. That's her number one concern. She has at no point been a good chaperone. No. Uh, Charlotte goes and speaks with George, and when they return, Lucy can hear him breathing at the door. Which means it must oh. be quite loud breathing. <laughs> they were like heavy doors in 1800s yeah. in Italy. Like a dog when you're about to like, get through the front door. <laughs> it's so gross. Yeah, what's he doing on the door? Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte tells Lucy to go to bed and decides that they'll leave for Rome at 8 a.m. and, 8 and put the whole incident behind them, meaning she won't see George again. End of part one. Oh, oh shit. It's the parts. longer part. Don't panic. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, now we're into part two, and we move from Italy to a little old place called England. <laughs> oi, oi. Finally, civilization. <laughs> Purebreds. <laughs> there better Don't not be, a... take... <laughs> <laughs> there better not be any Italians ones? running my hotel. <laughs> Eh, hey, buongiorno. Shit. Welcome to Holiday Inn. <laughs> uh, we're in and around uh, the Honeychurch residence named Windy Corner. <laughs> <laughs> at Windy Corner, the, um... you can't hear uh, George breathing at the door. <laughs> is that the wind or is that George? You know how you, you, know how you describe this book as humorous? Yeah. Do you reckon Windy Corner's the first joke we've yeah. hit in the, in the book so far? Yeah. It's been quite dry, I reckon, so far. It's been yeah. quite dry. No, what about the murder, though? That's pretty funny. It wasn't laugh a minute, that scene. Yeah. 
So they live on Windy Corner on Summer Street in Surrey Hills. Any Surreys in tonight? Oh. Yeah. God, well, shut up. Surrey it. Hills are lovely. My in-laws from Surrey Hills. Fantastic. Part of the world. Just, just anyone from Su- anyone from Summer Street in tonight? <laughs> anyone from Windy Corner in? We're lo- uh, Lucy's been back from Italy for a week. She did go to Rome with her cousin Charlotte, where a man named Cecil Vise proposed <laughs> to her twice. Whoa, what? Hang on. <laughs> yeah. So a character that's not been brought up <laughs> proposes to her twice. This, this out of is nowhere. the first time. First time. We hear that he proposed to her twice. She turned him down because, and I can't stress this enough, he sucks. <laughs> he absolutely sucks. He's from London. Sorry. Uh, and is of high rank, which is seen as good, but he is snobbish and hates country society where Lucy and her family are from, which is bad. It's not a good match. But he keeps, keeps uh, proposing. Part two opens, and he explains to Lucy's mother, Mrs. Honeychurch, that he's proposed for a third time, and this time Lucy has accepted, which makes her mother happy. R- right. Uh, oh. Right. Big, let's just put a pin in this. Okay. What is... This chapter called. Is it everything you just said? Yeah. <laughs> Cecil Vine, a man that I've not I've not described yet, has proposed twice to Lucy since you stopped reading part one. <laughs> now, I've looked up the t- chapter title is Medieval. Ooh. Medieval? Yeah. Right. What does it mean? We know it's we do know, though. Inconsistent, that's how I describe yeah. his chapter headings. Cecil Vise. Do you like that? Cecil Vise. I reckon, no. he, I reckon he's wearing a similar get-up to you, actually. <laughs> yes, that he's a man like of high rank. Cecil Vise. <laughs> Thank you. Snobbish, though. Cecil yeah. Vise. In the town, two houses have come up for rent. Lucy suggests uh, that two old ladies she met in Italy would be perfect to rent the houses and move into the neighbourhood. But her fiancé, Cecil, has other ideas. You see, the villas are owned by a man called Sir Harry Otway, who Cecil feels is a bit snobbish. So to get back at him, he invites two men he met in London to move in. Two lower-class men... Oh, shit. ..whom he's sure will annoy Sir Otway... And team, you're never going to believe who these two men happen to be. <laughs> you're never going to believe it. Mr. Emerson. Whoa. And his son, George. Did you guess it? Is yeah. George doing something creepy? Yeah. Just... So, hang on. Did, did Lucy meet Cecil through George? No. She, is no. it pure coincidence? Pure coincidence. Would you believe which, as it's we like know, Bebe being at the same tiny villa in Florence. Yeah. Just normal. What's the other thing they say? That coincidence is, all this, is, is what great writers use? I think... Uh, That's an excuse for that, why everything is, just works is, in their story. Is, is that a quote from E.M. Forster? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Defending yourself. Subtext? No, you just draw it in the uh, punctuation on the wall. That's what you do. Yeah. It actually was a quote by Shmi Shmem for Shmorsta. <laughs> So um, Lucy's annoyed because, one, she wanted her friends to move in, and two, she doesn't want George to live in town because it's a bit awkward between them. Uh, Mr. Bebe, the priest, who also has moved to the town since, introduces George, the creepy boy, to Lucy's brother, Freddie, and they play tennis, and Freddie invites George and Mr. Bebe for a swim in a small pool in the forest. 
Freddy strips off and they jump in and the others eventually follow before it becomes a raucous scene of nudity and splashing. Call me, call me by your name. That's where they got the idea from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There's clothes and water flying oh. everywhere. Now, this is a view. Does one of the characters say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what they should say. He took down his trunks now. This is a view. And, and they just look in the fruit bowl and there's a single peach. <laughs> <laughs> So they're splashing in, in the pond, and team, you're never going to believe it. Also going for a walk in the forest oh, that day is Charlotte. Lucy, her mother, and her new fiancé, Cecil. And they chance upon the scene in the watering hole, and Freddie hides in a bush. <laughs> Mr. Be- <laughs> Mr. Bebe stays in the water. Why, why is Freddie hiding? What's he got to hide? <laughs> His He's- balls are out. <laughs> and... Uh, George tries to run away, but he accidentally runs into Lucy. <laughs> wearing only his underpants, and all he does is awkwardly bow at her. <laughs> Milady. <laughs> uh, cousin Charlotte comes to town, and uh, she asks... <laughs> Fucking hell, finally. It sounds like a song, doesn't it? What's that? Nudity and frolicking. All right, I'll go. Get the train. (laughs) She asks him uh, if Lucy's told her mother or Cecil, her fiancé, about the kiss from George. And she's like, of course I haven't said that. And she's like, it meant nothing. But she may not be aware that subconsciously she's developing feelings for George. It's getting a little bit bit awkward. What wall is that written on? <laughs> how do you how have you inferred that? I didn't infer that. <laughs> There's an interrobang. There's an interrobang in a barn. Right, gotcha. <laughs> and all the worlds again collide when George is invited over to Lucy's family's house to play tennis with her brother and have tea with her fiance Cecil. So now her fiance is having tea with her crush. Lucy attempts to be civil and gracious, but Cecil does not. He refuses to play tennis with the others and instead complains the whole time about a romance novel he's reading and starts reading from a scene and it sounds awfully similar to Lucy and George's kiss up on the hill in Italy. Whoa. Oh, God. Is Lucy- he Forster critiquing his own work? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that bit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Who would read from a book for the entertainment of others? Yeah. Who would do that? <laughs> That would the, never work. The lowest work. form of entertainment. <laughs> that would be so low. <laughs> no, the real art form is summarising other people's great works. <laughs> That's art. Lucy discovers that the book was in fact written by her friend Miss Lavish, or Miss Lavish, the writer she met in Italy. Putting two and two together, she realises that her cousin, Charlotte, must have told Miss Lavish about the kiss. Charlotte? So Charlotte sold her out. And now her fiancé is reading it out in front of her and George is ridiculing the writing, being like, as if anyone would ever do this. <laughs> uh, feeling awkward and trying to move the situation along, Lucy goes inside to make tea. George follows and kisses her again. Yes, George! Uh-oh. Also, consent's important, but yes. Yeah. What, this is a very pre-Me Too story, isn't it? This. Yeah. What I'm What's not George's... getting is, does she dig it? Does Ian e. Forster say, and she digs it? Or is it just like... Yeah, because that's, yes. that's never been made clear, actually. Yeah, it's never been made clear. I think she's, she's coming to terms with her feelings for George. That's sort of what the, the book is. But is that inappropriate? Because she's not, not sure of the feelings. Well, how old, do we know how old she is? 
Young enough to have a chaperone. Well, the chaperone's 20, so she's probably like, what, 12? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's ripe for marriage. Come on. And she's like, it's all too much. And she calls George in and she says, you've got to leave town. This is too hard for me. I need you to go. Oh. It's a bit He's sad. like, I just and, moved. Yeah. But George urges Lucy not to marry Cecil, saying he's totally a wanker who doesn't love her and only wants to control her and not let her be herself. He's like, I love you, but I will let you be your true self. And then he's like, puts it all on the table, drops his microphone and walks out of there. He's like, it's balls in your court. Just to get closure on this scene, did they make the tea or not? (laughs) Just doesn't matter. I mean, it's England. Yes, of course they do. You have priorities, right? But in that conversation, Lucy realises that, yes, Cecil is a complete prat. He's completely right. So she goes and breaks up with him. Sweet. She calls him, and he actually takes it quite well. He takes the feedback quite well. He's like, why are you breaking up with me? And she's like, because you're a bit of a dick. And he's like, in what way? And then she lists about four things, and he's like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And he goes, you finally made me see myself. Thank you. And then he says, can I shake your hand? Whoa. They shake hands. That is the sickest post-breakup power (laughs) move I've ever Do you know what? You're right to break up with me, actually. Can I shake your hand? Oh, my God. I'm coming round to Cecil. Can I thank you for breaking up with me? Imagine if you'd ever had the composure to say that when you're being dumped. (laughs) But it's almost like that's also a technique, but it's a long con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he played the long game. Because her head must be messed up after that. She's like, shit, now I like Cecil again. Yeah, Yeah, it actually says that Lucy's annoyed because she wanted it to be like a big fight so it would feel like it was over, but he's like, actually, you're right. Kill him with kindness. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went out and made out with Charlotte. (laughs) What? I'm free. (laughs) And then Lucy's like, I'm confused, but I'm going to stay single forever. That's what she... And she actually hears that two of her friends, the two women that were going to move into the town... She hears that they're going on a holiday to Greece. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go with them to Greece to get away from it all. And it's mis- nice they live a modest, comfortable life, as Ian Force Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Force is riding what he knows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she decides, I'm going to go to Greece. And um, she's driving along with her mother and Charlotte in the car. And they pass, they pass the place she's about to leave. She passes the place where George and his son were living, but the lights are off. And she's like, oh, that's weird. And she's told, no, they've moved out of London. They've moved back to London. And she's like, I'm moving to Greece for no reason. <laughs> Shit. But I guess I've got to follow through with it. I'm committed now. And Charlotte's like, actually, on the way home, can we stop by the church? I want to pray. You know, a late night prayer. As you, as you do. And Lucy's mum goes in with her, but Charlotte doesn't want to go and instead heads into the rectory's study attached to the church and team. You're never going to believe it. Christ's sake. In there, she runs into Mr. Emerson, George's father, who's just sitting by the fire. Probably being crass, I bet. <laughs> Unkempt. Yeah. Low life scum. Charlatan. George has told him everything that happened between his son and Lucy, and at first he apologises, but then he says, this is to Lucy, he says, I taught him to trust in love. When love comes, that is reality. Passion does not blind. No, passion is sanity. And the woman you love, she is the only person you will ever really understand. But then he's like, uh, so I taught him to love, and that's, my, that's why he's been acting weird, because I've taught him to be weirdo. <laughs> 
And he's like, but now I'm worried that uh, he's acting like his life is over. Mm. George. And she's like, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm going to Greece. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, no, thank you, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you guys can stay in town. I'm leaving. And he's like, with your fiancé. And she's like, "Uh, actually, we broke up. Are there any sweeter, sweeter words to hear from a crush? Yeah. Actually, we broke up. Yeah. Oh. Straight into the DMs. And then you've got to poker face it through that next bit. Mm. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Don't offer a drink. Don't offer a drink. Do you yeah. want a drink? Yeah. <laughs> but Mr. Emerson's reaction is, you love my son. That's what he says. And he tells her, you love my son with your heart and soul, and that's why you couldn't marry Cecil. At first, she's offended. She's like, classic man telling me that who I love. But then she's like, actually, you're right. <laughs> but she says, but I can't tell my family the truth. It would hurt them too much. Mr. Beeb walks in and sees Lucy crying at this and demands, Mr. Bear Bear, by the way, that's not a new character, demands a- to know what's going on. He's like, what's going on here? And Mr. Emerson tells him that Lucy and George love each other and Aww. have loved each other all along. And Mr. Bebe is obviously disappointed, he can tell, but he tells her, well, if you love him, you should marry him. He says, quote, uh, he no longer interests me. Marry George. Miss Honeychurch, he will do admirably. And then he walks out. He's do a bit ad- like, admirably, that's in like, the vows, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's fine. I don't care anymore. Goodbye. Satisfactory. And it's basically like saying, I've had enough of your shit. Just sort it out, bitch. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Who cares? I don't Marry care. Someone. I don't really care. I'm Bebe. Bebe? <laughs> I'm Bebe, Bebe. There's now, a lady in your audience, Dave, that giggles every time you say Bebe. And you've moved on from funny at funny, but me and that lady still laugh every <laughs> You're time. You're still... I fucking love you, whoever you are. You just say it in passing, and I'm like, stop. It's stop still it. good. Savor the Bebe. <laughs> well, now alone again with Mr. Emerson... He tells Lucy that she might be rejected by her family, but she must continue on in the name of love. And then she reflects on how this man has made her see everything at once. We skip forward in time in the final chapter. Hey. <laughs> you the kind of guy that's reading a book and you're like, thank God, only 20 pages to go. Well, the, the real saving grace is that it was written in 1908, which means all these characters died in a war about five years <laughs> About five years later. That's true. So none of this fucking matters. That's the real saving grace. They all got trench foot and sort of. They wouldn't have made it past nineteen. Melted into the earth. No. George got at least two kisses. He'd have had no kisses in that. You know. Sorry. Anyway, can't let's see what happens. <laughs> We're back in Italy. Back in the same hotel at the start of the book. Back in a room. With a view. Oh, oh yeah. We've What's on the it. wall, Dave? It. What's on the wall? <laughs> a smiley face. <laughs> the end. <laughs> colon, colon, close bracket. Yeah, that, that would be great. The end. Question mark. <laughs> Sequel. <laughs> a room with... Just a white wall in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so George and Lucy are now married, although as predicted, not everyone is happy about it. Lucy's family have disowned her, probably forever. (laughs) Mr. Bebe, the priest, has lost interest in them completely. (laughs) But Lucy says she's thankful that she doesn't have to grow old and single like her cousin Charlotte. (laughs) 
Also, by the way, the She's Chaperone crazy. Academy kicked her out. Like, yeah. literally, your charge got kissed twice and got married to the creep yeah. you were supposed to yeah. keep her apart from. Yeah. You are, you have, they've, they've yeah. taken a qualification off her. They've you taken her the yardstick. You could not harder. <laughs> but, but George is actually more favourable of Charlotte. He thinks that uh, she knew his father was in the church's study that night when he spoke to Lucy, because his father saw her earlier on. And that cousin Charlotte didn't stop Lucy from going in, so maybe she supported their relationship all along. Oh. And then... <laughs> nah. 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 Incorrect. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and then we get to the final line, which is quite poetic. It's, uh, Youth enwrapped them. The song of Phaethon announced passion requited, love attained. But they were conscious of a love more mysterious than this. The song died away. They heard the river bearing down the snows of winter into the Mediterranean. The end. A room with a view. <laughs> there it is, Ian Forster. Mm. What, what, what did you both think? I wanted to talk about the food more. <laughs> they went to some beautiful culinary places. Mm. They did not talk about how much they piache lasagna. I, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> not at all. What I about Spanakoptica? Sorry. Sorry. I, I thought the room with the view would be more central to the plot <laughs> rather than just the kind of coincidental beginning and end yeah. setting. Yeah, I want a room with a view! And then it's not mentioned again. Yeah. But so I guess is it because they, they swap and that's how they meet? They swap and that's how they meet. And then right. at the end they're back in the same room looking out. Now hopeful. But that means one of them is miserable. Because one of them didn't want the room with the view in the first place. Yeah, yeah. because men hate views. Men hate views. So it's about compromise, which is what marriage is. That's the message. And George loses out. Also, I love it when books use the title. That did at the start, like, a view, a view, the view, the view. And then the closing line, a room with, turn to camera, wink. Yeah, yeah. A view. (laughs) That's my book. Yeah, I'll be honest, I sort of judge a book down if it doesn't do that. If it doesn't I think do that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And they were all Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry Potter and the Wizard Crevice is the next one that's coming yeah. out. <laughs> that's book nine. I wonder what happened to Charlotte. Is she in a nursing home by now? She's 32. <laughs> <laughs> she's hooked up. She's old. She's, she's, yeah. she's done. She's all alone. She's dead. But the only thing left to do at the end, we always, I always get the guests to score it out of five. We score, score the, the novel out of five, as you've, as you've Based on here. what we did to it? Yeah, yeah sure. Whatever scale you... you, you well, so we're like, we're like one, is, one is bad. Yeah. So one's like, I don't know, Da Vinci Code or something. That's quite good. <laughs> well, no, that's quite good, isn't it? I'm trying to think of a bad... Have you done the Da Vinci Shades? Code? Okay. I haven't done the Da Vinci Code, no. One is Fifty Shades and five is like, I don't know, the Bible. Not that. But you know what I mean? In yeah. terms of the best book ever. The best book ever. The best book ever. Yeah. Um, I love that. On, on the scale of Fifty Shades to the Bible. Yeah. Did you, you say out of ten? No, out of five. Because the final line of the Bible is, and this was the Bible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd probably give it uh, two. No, that's fair enough. Two out of, out of five. Yeah, is that why? Was that controversial? That seems to get a weird reaction. Were you expecting me to go higher or lower? I don't want to start playing higher or lower. Don't. <laughs> People are saying down? down. Yeah. Well, what, well, no, but you see, five is quite a nuanced scale, isn't it? What, what, I mean, one. 
I mean, it is, it's, it's bad, it's trash, it's bad, it's bad. It's it a is, very, it's, it's a, a little really more than bad Mills book. I want to give it a three, because I quite appreciated the skinny dipping scene. Right. And the idea oh, yeah. of goofball Freddy covering his balls beside the bush. Oh, my balls. Yeah. Just in the middle of a book that seems like a travelogue, then you've got yeah. this guy going, oh, my balls. Because for me, it's so bad that it should be one, but then, but then it does something even worse that I actually enjoyed it, which is when they, they suddenly introduce this Cecil character out of nothing. And he's, <laughs> he's really pivotal, it turns out. <laughs> but just in the postscript... Oh, by the way, what I should have said in part one is that there's also this guy called Cecil. <laughs> but I didn't have time, I was too excited. Anyway, Cecil's really important. And a room so, with a view. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to give it two. So we've got a two, we've got a three. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Ooh. What are what your reasons? What, yeah. what, what do you think? Uh, round of applause for one. Oh, wow. Two. That's winning. Three. Taking two. Two's. What if, no, no, go higher. They might four. be higher. You don't know. Nah, nah, okay, nah. who's giving it four marks? <laughs> No one. Yeah. No it's one. number seventy-nine on the frickin' chart, guys. I'm gonna give it two. Pardon? Great film. You like the film? Who? Well, that's not the fucking podcast, is it? <laughs> yeah. And it's now a screaming. We'd be talking about Terminator Two if we were doing Daniel that. Daniel Day-Lewis. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, that does bring us to uh, to the end of the podcast. Before we go, for the people here and for for people at home, Finn, you're about to go on. You've announced a tour very recently. Yeah, I'm going on tour all over the UK uh, from February onwards. Um, do a lot of your listeners in Australia? A lot in Australia, but a lot here in England yeah. too. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm not going to Australia. So uh, it's just um, <laughs> too mainly the UK for now. February onwards. FinnTaylor.com for tickets. Peace. Nice one. Yeah. Finn Taylor, let's give it Thank up. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so Hamish. much. Really fun. And Sarah, anything uh, on the horizon? I'm going to be gigging around doing Finchley tomorrow night in London. So by the time you've edited this, put this out and told your Australian listeners about it, I reckon there's a good case for them to get there. Um, now, I'm gigging around, but I will tell you this. I'm probably going to be in Australia for two months from Boxing Day, and I will be gigging, gigging around, so some gigs in Sydney, Tasmania, and Melbourne. But this message doesn't just go out to my fans, friends, and followers. It goes out to promoters and bookers to schedule me for your shows. <laughs> Give me some gigs! <laughs> you better book me for those gigs I've just lied about. No, I have, I have shows. Um... Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Say hi, Sarah Bonetto. Fantastic. Let's give it up for Sarah Bonetto. Uh, we do have to get out here. Uh, well, we've got to let Finn go because he's got another gig to go do. But I just want to say quickly, thank you so much for coming out tonight. It was an absolute pleasure to come here and all of you to, to come along. So please give yourselves a big round of applause. Thank you so much. And to 229 here in London, Al on sound, Josh is recording it, uh, Miriam and Ella who are selling bookmarks before the show. I'll be up the back uh, selling some bookmarks or just their book cheat bookmarks, they're not just random ones. <laughs> Stick around, I'll, I'll be having a drink if you just want to come up and say hi, that would be fantastic. It'd be so great to meet you. But thank you again for coming out. And we always say at the end of the show, the catchphrase is books forever, books forever. So on the count of three, we're going to say it all together. One, Such a virgin. two, three. <laughs> Books, Books forever! forever. <laughs> Thanks, everyone!